Go to John chapter 17 as we continue our study through the gospel according to John. In this chapter, we find a prayer of our Lord before he is betrayed, which we'll see in the next chapter. And in John chapter 17, I'd like to begin by reading verses 1 through 5. The Bible says in John chapter 17 and in verse 1, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And last week, we focused on verse 4. The main points from that message were these. You are not here by accident. But God has a plan for your life. For you, by name, God has a plan for you. And you're not here by accident, and you're not in America by accident, you're not in South Dakota by accident, you're not in Rapid City by accident, you're not at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle by accident. But God has a plan for your life, and as we just heard saying, God has a plan that we would go to the world and share Jesus Christ with those around us. And as we talked about the plan that God has for your life, there may be many specifics which would vary around this room, but the bottom line for all of us is this, whatever God calls you to do, your life is to bring glory to Him. Whatever it is, that's the bottom line. And then in bringing glory to God, we are to continue to do that until the day that we die. It doesn't end. We don't bring glory to God for the first 40 years and then quit. We don't wait till the last 20 years. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, amen? And so we're to bring glory to God with our life. And guess what? This is the only life you get. We don't, well, let me rephrase that. It doesn't matter what you believe. The Bible doesn't teach that there's a reincarnation. We don't get a second shot at this. The life that you live is the life by which God will judge. And you need to live it for the Lord Jesus Christ because you only get this one chance. And so whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now, because of verse 4, as we get started on this message this morning, Jesus could rightly pray verse 5. Because Christ would finish the work which God had given Him to do, and because Christ glorified God while upon this earth throughout His entire sinless life, He could then pray, And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. You'll remember in verse 1, Jesus prayed for the Father to glorify Him in order that He might glorify the Father. And now this prayer that he's, He gives here in verse 5, same prayer, but what He says in verse 5 takes that another notch higher. It, it takes it way higher, in fact, with what He says in verse 5. When we first started this chapter, I mentioned there are things in here we cannot pray. Because we're not Christ. Amen. This is the true Lord's Prayer. Jesus could not pray the model prayer because He never had to ask for forgiveness. We can't pray parts of this prayer because we've had to ask for forgiveness because we are sinners. And so as we keep that in mind, we see in verse 5 that we could never pray 
these words. Not exactly the way in which they're found. And this is very important because Jesus is clearly declaring His deity here in verse 5. He is saying that He existed before the world was. Amen. Amen. He is saying, I I was before the world. Not only that, He he declares that He is co-equal with God because He says, before the world was, I had the same glory the Father had. And so this is a very important verse as it pertains to Christ and His deity. We can't pray to be glorified with the same glory of God before the world was because despite what the Mormons teach, we did not exist before the world was. Amen. We are not equal with God in glory, nor have we ever been. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what we see in verse 5 is that Jesus is not just some historical figure who lived and died, but He is from everlasting to everlasting. He existed before the world was. And He will always exist because He is God the Son. And four times in the Revelation, Jesus states, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. In Colossians 1, 16 and 17, it says, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. Now, Jesus had a glory while He was upon the earth. So kind of stick with me here. After Jesus turned water into wine, in John 2.11, the Bible says, This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth His glory. And His disciples believed on Him. In John 1.14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we are told in Hebrews 1.3, That Jesus was the brightness of God's glory and the express image of His person. So there was glory, and some of His glory was manifested while He was on uh, on this earth. And the reason that was done was so that people could recognize Him as the promised Messiah that God said would come. And the glory which He had, he, He had power in that He could heal the sick. He could open blinded eyes. He could make the lame to walk again. He could even raise the dead. And he had this power which in turn gave him this glory upon this earth to show that he was the Messiah. But as we see in verse 5 of our text, there is far more to Christ's glory than what he displayed when he tabernacled among us. Peter, James, and John were taken up into a, very, uh, into a high mountain. And there Jesus was transfigured before them. And the Bible says that His face did shine as the sun. And His raiment was white as light. They got a little taste of the glory of Christ. Later on in John's life, while in prison on the Isle of Patmos, he would write while he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, that he heard a great voice behind him as of a trumpet. And he turned to see who it was that was speaking to him. And he described it this way. In Revelation 1, 
And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks was one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about, with, uh, girt about the paps with a girdle, a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they had been burned in a furnace, and his voice as of the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I mean to tell you, there's a glory to Christ that we don't really know yet. John did his best to describe some of the glory in which he saw. But how can man describe Christ? Ezekiel, over in Ezekiel chapter 1, he he tried to describe the Lord's glory to us. But the Lord's glory far exceeds what mortal tongue can describe. It far exceeds what our mortal minds can comprehend. His glory is so great that in the New Jerusalem, the Bible says that there'll be no need for the sun, there'll be no need for the moon to shine in it, but that the glory of the Lord will lighten it. And here we find Jesus praying for God to glorify Him with the glory which He had with the Father before the world was. Jesus wasn't interested in the glory which He could receive from this earth. He's praying for the Father's glory. In fact, after Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, He had been led into the wilderness by the Spirit of the Lord to fast, being tempted of the devil. And at the end of that, we have three temptations recorded for us. And the last temptation is when the devil took Jesus up into an exceeding high mountain. And He showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And the devil told Him, all these things will I give thee if you will fall down and worship Me. But thank God Jesus wasn't interested in the glory of this world. Jesus knew after He fulfilled the will of His Father that He would once again have the previous glory, the glory which He had with the Father before the world was. And not only was Jesus not interested in the glory in which this world could offer, but He wasn't interested in any of man's glory either. He desired the glory of God the Father. And I believe there's a lesson here for us. And that is this, we aren't to be concerned with any glory the devil may offer. We're not to be concerned with any glory that man may offer us. But our desire is to glorify God. And to do that, we have to have His glory and not what this world can offer. And I want to tell you, don't worry. Don't you worry if the work that God has called you to do conflicts with this world. Don't worry if God's message isn't popular in 2020. I got news for you. It wasn't popular when Jesus was here. The world didn't like that. They don't like it now. In fact, the message has been hated by mankind since Genesis 4 when Cain got mad at Abel because Abel had brought a more excellent sacrifice and Cain rose up and killed his brother. 
They didn't like Noah. How do you know that? Because he was a preacher of righteousness and only eight souls got on the ark. They didn't like Moses. The message of the prophets was rejected. The message of the apostles was despised. The message of Christians has always been scorned by this world. Now I thank God for times of revival. I thank God that there's a nation like this which was the first of its kind to be founded in such a manner upon godly principles. But as we see today, even the message of our founding fathers is hated. So don't worry if you don't fit in. Don't worry if you don't line up or if you don't fit in because if you line up with this Bible, you will not fit in. And whatever glory the world may bestow upon you, it will pale in comparison to having God's glory. And whatever glory man tries to give you, it will not compare to having God look down from heaven and smile upon you. The Bible says in 1 Peter, 20, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Now, because Jesus prayed, Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was, we can take from that statement that Jesus had laid aside some of His glory. You catching that? Because He's praying, I, I want the glory I had then. Which tells me, at that present time, He didn't have the glory He had then. For 33 and a half years, he laid aside his glory. He was not here, when he was in the flesh, he was not here in all of that glory that I talked about. John tried to describe, Ezekiel tried to describe, and there, there's others. But verse 5 is one of those passages which teach us how Jesus lowered himself. How he humbled himself in robing himself in the likeness of sinful flesh. Philippians 2, 6-8 says, "...who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation." And that means Jesus emptied Himself of all. He took upon Him. He took upon Him. He took it. He took upon Him the form of a servant. And He was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And in His humility, the Bible says He learned obedience. The Bible says in Hebrews 5.8, and this is all talking about how Christ has become our great high priest, and, and He knows what you're going through. He's, he, he, has, he knows what those feelings are like. It says in Hebrews 5.8, Though He were a son, yet He learned obedience by the things which He said. You want to talk about humbling yourself. He had to learn obedience through what he suffered. Now, Christ is the greatest teacher of humility because he's the greatest example of humility. And we have to continually be learning from him and studying his example. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon Jesus, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? Because I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. The entirety of Jesus' life was that of humility. He entered this world through the lowly Virgin Mary. He was born into very lowly conditions. 
He was raised in the lowly town of Nazareth. He humbled Himself in that He that was rich became poor for our sakes. And He humbled Himself as a servant. The Bible says in Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. In other words, He did not come to this earth to be served, though He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came to this earth to serve others. He humbled Himself to serve mankind. The Creator was serving the creation. And He humbled Himself and He... Remember a few chapters ago, he stooped so low as to take a bowl of water and a towel to himself and he washed the disciples' feet. Zechariah prophesied how Jesus the King would humbly enter into Jerusalem one day. And Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy King cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly. And riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the fall of an ass. But the greatest display of Christ's humility is when He laid down His life for sinners. He came unto His own and His own received Him not. But He still humbly laid down His life. Charles Spurgeon wrote, Was He not on earth always stripping off first one robe of honor and then another till naked He was fastened to the cross. And there did He not empty out His inmost self, pouring out His lifeblood, giving up all for us, till they laid Him penniless in a borrowed grave. How low was our dear Redeemer brought? End quote. He truly was the servant of servants. He humbled Himself so low that He actually prayed to have glory. That is such an amazing thought to me. I mean, this is is part of the Godhead. This is God the Son. And He said, I had all this glory back then. And He came so low that, so humbly, that He's actually praying, God, glorify Thou me with the glory that I had with Thee before the world was. And I want to tell you, as followers of Christ... How can we not be humble ourselves? How can we not be living lives of humility? How can we possibly allow pride to control our life? How can we be so proud when we stop and look at the cross? Do you see what mockery that our Lord went through? What scorn He endured? See the toll of the scourging that ripped up His sinless body as the blood began to flow. See the crown of thorns that they took and they pressed into His head and even took a reed and hit Him on the head, pressing those crown of thorns into His head and the blood began to flow. See His hands and feet pierced as He's there on the cross. See the crimson flow. And then as you see Christ on the cross, you hear Him cry, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Do you see how low that Jesus stooped for you? If you can stand at the foot of the cross and be proud, something is wrong. 
if it doesn't bring you to fall upon your face, then you've never seen Him as your Savior. If you're not humbled by Christ's presence, then you don't know Him. Jesus humbled Himself. We could not save ourselves, but it took the humble sacrifice of God's only begotten Son. And when you understand the love that Christ has for you, I promise you, it will begin to humble you. And if we live at the cross, we'll lose our pride. There is no pride for the child of God who lives at the cross. And those who have been forgiven will be those who will learn to forgive. And if he... If one doesn't learn that, and if one is prideful looking at the cross, and if, if one can, can see Christ on the cross and think nothing of it and, and have pride in their life, I want to tell you, they've strayed from the cross. If there's a child of God that can sit there and have pride in their life when they call themselves a Christian and they say that they've been to Calvary, and yet they've got pride issues and they're having problems getting over somebody that hurt them. They're, getting, they're having problems offering somebody forgiveness. I want to tell you this morning that what has happened is you've left the cross. He gave up His glory for us. But hallelujah, verse 5 was answered when Jesus rose victoriously from the grave. Amen and amen. God answered His prayer. We'll see that as we go through John's account, of course. But after he rose, he was seen of his disciples and they didn't even recognize him. <laughs> Imagine walking with somebody for three and a half years and you don't even recognize Being glorified. Ephesians 1, 19 through 22 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And He hath put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church. Jesus' prayer was answered. In Philippians 2, 9-11, it says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted Him, and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I want you to get this quote from Matthew Henry. Christ undertook the work of redemption not because He needed glory. For He had glory with the Father before the world, but because we needed glory. Christ did it all for us. Amen. At our best state, the Bible says man is altogether vanity. We're nothing without Christ. We had fallen short of God's glory and our only hope was that God would reconcile us to Himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. And hallelujah, that's exactly what God has done for any who will cry out to Him for salvation through Christ alone. And now those who are in Christ are part of the church, the bride of Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 25-27, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. A glory, full of glory. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And while living in this life below in the flesh, God is working, if you're a child of God, He is working to conform you into the image of God's Son. And I want to remind you, God does not paint upon you. God is not a tattoo artist. But God chisels. He doesn't put things on us that can be taken off. But He cuts and He carves and He he makes us into His image. He's conforming it. He doesn't just paint on us. And He's preparing us for His glory to come. And that's why you go through some of the things you go through. And one day, the Bible says He's coming in His glory one day, amen? Amen. And one day when He comes, we'll be fully conformed into the image of Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, in Christ, we are joint heirs. We are made partakers of all that Christ is. Just think about this. As joint heirs of Christ, the promises, the blessings, all those things, the Bible says we are now inheritors of these things. We will be partakers of His glory. There's coming a day when we will more completely be partakers of His glory, more completely be partakers of His glory. The Bible says in Romans 8.18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. There's a time of glory coming. 1 John 3.2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For he shall, we shall see Him as He is. How did He leave out of here? They couldn't recognize him after he rose again. He had to reveal who he was to them in some, some ways that are good preaching, but I'll save that for another time. And, and they said, uh, hey, you mean men of Galilee, why are you standing up here gazing? This same Jesus which was taken up from you will come again. And the Bible says, look, when he comes again, uh, we're going to be like him. Hallelujah. There's a time of glory to come. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. We who were sinners and we who had fallen way short of the glory of God because of our sin will one day experience His glory when He comes again in all of His glory. And we shall be like Him. What a blessed thought. Amen. Man, some of y'all really should be shouting amen because some of y'all, oh, my body's breaking down and all this and all. Praise God, there's coming a day you're getting a new one. That was for the seniors, amen. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready for the day when the Lord returns? If not, you're still living in your pride. And you've yet to see Christ dying in your place upon the old rugged cross. And you need to see Him as the glorious Savior that He is. And if you're lost, you just need to cry out to Him for salvation. Maybe some of you have strayed from the cross. You say, yes, I'm a a child of God. I, 
I'm born again. Maybe there's pride in your life which needs to be dealt with. Is there somebody here that's a believer and there's somebody in your life that you're just bitter against? You're just angry against. And you're having a hard time getting peace with that. I want to tell you, you've strayed from the cross. Because when we get beneath the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's no room for pride. Only by pride cometh contention. And so if there's somebody you're at odds with, there's somebody that there's contention between, you need to go back to the cross. And you need to see how low Christ brought Himself for you. And He did nothing wrong. Maybe there's somebody in your life you still need to forgive. Man, you've been hurt. And and isn't it sad how hurtful Christians can be to other Christians? And you've been hurt, you've been burned, and you know, you're never going to go back there and you're never going to do this and that. Maybe you just need to take another look at the cross and see what Jesus did for you and that He humbled Himself. And maybe you just need to humble yourself and be able to go to that one. We can't continue in pride when we're at the cross. He's our teacher because He's also our best example. I want to encourage you this morning to learn of Him. Take His yoke upon you. Learn of Him, for He's meek and lowly in heart. And remember what that verse said at the end? If you'll do that, Jesus said, you'll find rest for your souls. And a bitter person doesn't have rest. Because it's constantly eating at their mind and their heart. There's no peace. And that bitterness is often manifested through anger. And maybe you've taken the yoke of Christ off and you've stopped learning from Him. And there's bitterness which has filled your heart and there's, there's just anger towards somebody. You need to learn of Christ. He gave up everything just to make reconciliation. Learn from Christ to live a life of humility. And that's when you'll experience rest for your soul. Let's pray.